Welcome to Filmstrip and our reviews of the Alien movie franchise. There is an explanation for this. Featuring Nick. Check it out. I am the ultimate badass. Yes. And Jay. This is so nuts. Listen to what you're saying. Please note, these episodes will contain spoilers and in-depth discussion of the plots and characters of the films. All content used or discussed in this podcast are the property of their respective owners and used under the Fair Use Act Section 504C2, Title 17. Welcome to Filmstrip. I'm Jay. I'm Nick. And this is our review of Alien vs. Predator, starring Sanaa Latham, Raul Bova, Ewan Bremmer, Colin Salmon, Ian White, Tom Woodruff Jr., and Lance Henriksen. Written by Dan O'Bannon, Ronald Chusett, Shane Salerno, and Paul W.S. Anderson. Directed by Paul W.S. Anderson. Released in 2004 on a budget of roughly $60 million. Grossed $172 million worldwide. 80 of that in the U.S., 92 foreign. Nick, would you believe it? If I told you, in the Alien series, this is the second most profitable one in terms of the domestic gross. Falls just behind James Cameron's Aliens. Do I believe it? Yes. Do I want to believe it? No. (laughs) (laughs) I guess it just shows my confidence in the uh, audience today, but yeah. Well, 2004, man. I mean, we we went from 1997 to 2004 to get here to this point. It took a long time, and the genesis of this started back in 1989 with the release of a video game, and then there were several comic books, and I mean, there was a lot of stuff that pitted the alien versus the Predator. I mean, Predator 2 had, in the end, when Danny Glover's on the Predator ship, it had the alien skull as one of the trophies. I mean, that was a big wink to the audience, and that was fanboys a lot, and I was one of them. was like, oh, that's going to be sweet. This movie sucks. But that alien versus Predator is going to be awesome. And I remember going to see this. I was working. I was out of school and all that at this point, going with a bunch of buddies of mine uh, to go see this in the theater. And we had a good time with it, but I've often wondered if that was because of the crowd I saw it with or if the movie was really worth it. I think it was because you're drunk. <laughs> <laughs> I actually was sober that night. So, but, uh, I, you know, I saw this in a very small theater in a small town I was living in at the time, and there was no one there. So we were not a part of the major opening weekend this thing had. I don't think uh, that little theater made much in the box office for it. But we were there in support, and uh, I was all worried that we wouldn't get in, you know, figuring, well, small town, there's nothing to do. Yep, none of these people watched this movie, so they, they didn't really get it, but... Uh, Let's talk a little bit about how uh, getting here and the what it took for them to get here, though. The biggest thing that I think has always surprised me about this one is that ultimately they went with a script that involved two of the the two guys that created Alien, uh, at least on the written page, Dan O'Bannon and Ronald Shusett. And I always forget that until I watch this. And I think that's amazing that they contributed a good chunk of the story. Yeah, it's actually it was kind of surprising when I learned about that. I figured, you know, Dan O'Bannon would be real kind of protective of his, you know, creation. But to hear that, you know, he's like so willing to actually mix in with the Predator 
was, you know, it was kind of baffling in a way, but I guess, you know, money talks. <laughs> it totally does. It, let's talk about the Predator for a minute. Where are you on Predator just as a series? And, I mean, what do you make of that creature? Uh, up until this point, it was, you know, a 50-50. I mean, the first Predator is, it's a, it's a pretty good movie. I mean, it's an Arnold vehicle, obviously, and um, it's it's a quality movie. I mean, it was uh, directed by... Uh, was a McTiernan director. John correct? John McTiernan did that. Yep. Yep. And he's a great action director. I think the Predator, you know, just in that first movie was a pretty cool creature, but in the end of it, a man beat the Predator. So like, a man couldn't beat the alien fist to fist the way Arnold beat the Predator fist to fist. And I think we also got to give a little bit of credit back to uh, James Cameron, who um, actually helped kind of design the uh, Predator. I don't know if you ever heard that story. I did. But, yeah, um, he and Stan Winston on the airplane, and that's what they came up with, right? Yeah, he was having a little bit of trouble. Like, the original design for the Predator was like a big giant lizard, and it was going to be played by John Claude Van Damme. <laughs> and uh, they, it was just totally not working out. So Stan Winston was on a flight, and he was sitting next to James Cameron, and he was trying to just come up with like a last-minute design for this thing. And James Cameron was like, hey, why don't, you, why don't you put some mandibles on that You know, thing? We haven't seen mandibles in a movie, and he didn't, and you know, it went from there. I mean... Dreadlocks and mandibles, that's what the Predator is known for. And Yeah, and cool weapons. I mean, the Predator is kind of a mix of a, an, an otherworldly Batman alien creature, and that's kind of what he is, right? He has gadgets, and he's just a big hunter. Yeah, I. it's kind of a weird series because, like, the Predator seems to think it says, like, all this honor and everything, yet it's hunting a less advanced species with extreme advanced weapons and can turn invisible, so it's... I don't well, know. it's kind of it's, it's, it's like it's kind of like shooting fish in a barrel when I was <laughs> predators. So. Well, it, it, you can say that, but you know what? Anybody that does a lot of hunting and having grown up in the south and a lot of people that hunt and stuff, I mean, you're hunting sometimes dangerous animals, grizzly bears and stuff like that, but you still have a technological advantage over them. It's the same. Yeah, thing. but you're not taking a 50 caliber rifle with you to blow <laughs> well, it. Away. Well, no, because the assault weapons man took that opportunity away many years ago. But I know some people that would try if they had the opportunity. So. But yeah, but still, you know, look, I, I've I've seen guys that that hunt you know large, uh, predatory animals. Matter of fact, I taught a student that his family for fun went on safaris, and he told me about hunting these big African lions and how scary that was and stuff. But that they had so much firepower in that thing, they could have launched a war and taken over the country they were in. So yeah, that, that, that lion takes us out. We're going to be like the predator, and there's going to be a big freaking crater in this place. Man. Well, that's another thing to think about. We got to talk about that with the predator because it's a setup here. They talk, they use it, you know, multiple times in this film. Is and when all else fails, and this is what happens at the end of the first Predator movie. Arnold Schwarzenegger's beating the thing to a pulp, and it sets off this little computer on its arm that turns out to be like a small contained nuclear explosion or something, <laughs> which Arnold does survive. So, which is of course, amazing. man, you can't kill Arnold. You could back then; you surely couldn't. But uh, anyway, that that's the Predator's sort of weapon of last resort. And they set that up early in this one, too. We talk about it when we get there. But that's the thing about the Predator is that it's in for the hunt. It's always going to win no matter what. Even if it's losing, it's going to make sure you don't get to live to tell anybody about it. And that's the setup of them is that they come to Earth ever so often to hunt and do things. And that's what the Predator is. And so when you want to mix the ultimate hunter with the ultimate adapter, it makes sense that you'd want to throw him in a ring with Alien. And I remember playing some of the original 
Aliens versus Predator games. And I usually tried to be one of the Marines until I realized that was just being cannon fodder. And so then I tried to be the alien, you know, and I'd sneak around and do, I had the, you, know, you had the cool alien three vision in those games and you could jump on the predators and do all this stuff to me. It was, it was great. And some of those video games are fantastic. I, they haven't done a good version of it in many years, but some of those originals were really good. And that was my introduction to all this. So I was excited to see this in 2004 because it was the culmination of games I've been playing for 10 years. Yeah, I remember uh, I remember playing it too when I was younger. Uh, I remember getting it on uh, for the computer and having a blast with it. I I played as a marine more than anything because I always thought it was I like I'm a big first person shooter fan, so it was always yeah. kind of cool to run. Oh, you wanted to be Hicks growing up rifle. too, so yeah. I mean, you had the pulse rifle, you had the smart gun, you had a flamethrower. I mean, it was it's a badass game, and yeah, playing as the predator was pretty cool too. I mean, and believe it or not, I mean, being the big alien fan, I hated playing as the alien. <laughs> I mean, it's well, kind of cool you go on the ceilings and walls, but I was just always a fan of uh, having the big guns and shooting everybody down. <laughs> yeah, well, the, the 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 alien only has a few moves. I mean, that's all it's got. So, it's, but it, it was kind of cool uh, though when you grab a guy and you got like the little like you know the second mouth cam going through his head. Yeah, this is it true. was always kind of so. neat. Well, we got to this point, and you and I said last time, Dan, of Alien Resurrection, you know, if they're going to go anywhere forward, where to go? And, and we both said, well, we'd love for them to go to the Alien home world, but that's not going to happen until this year, 2012. So if they're going to do anything, this seems like the next natural exten- extension, or at least it did at the time to me. Be curious to see if that holds up as we talk about this. But why don't you give us a plot summary so we can get into this thing? In 2004, a satellite detects a mysterious heat bloom beneath Antarctica. Wealthy industrialist Charles Bishop Whalen assembles a team of scientists to investigate the heat source and claim it for his multinational communications company, Whalen Industries. The team includes archaeologists, linguistic experts, drillers, mercenaries, and a guide named Alexa Woods. As a predator ship reaches Earth's orbit, it blasts a shaft through the ice towards the source of the heat bloom. When the humans arrive at the site above the heat source, an abandoned willings, an abandoned willings, let me do that over. When the humans arrive at the site above the heat source, they find the shaft and descend beneath the ice. They discover a mysterious pyramid and begin to explore it, finding evidence of a civilization predating written human history and what appears to be a sacrificial chamber filled with human skeletons. Meanwhile, three predators land and kill the humans on the surface, making their way down to the pyramid and arriving just as the team unwittingly powers up the structure. An alien queen is awoken from cryogenic stasis (laughs) and begins to produce eggs, from which the facehuggers hatch and attach to several humans trapped in the sacrificial chamber. I hate it when that happens. (laughs) What was that? I hate it when that happens. Yeah, it's terrible. (laughs) Happened Happened to some friends of mine last week. Chestbursters emerge from the humans and quickly grow into adult aliens. Conflicts erupt between the predators, aliens, and humans, resulting in several deaths. Unbeknownst to each other, a predator is implanted with an alien embryo. Bum, bum, bum. Through translation of the pyramid's hieroglyphics, the explorers learn the predators have, vis- have been visiting Earth for thousands of years. It was their... It was they who taught the early human civilizations how to build pyramids and were worshipped as gods. Of course. Yes, this is really what happened. 
<laughs> Every 100 years, they would visit Earth to take part in a rite of passage in which several humans would sacrifice themselves as hosts for the aliens, creating the ultimate prey for the predators to hunt. If overwhelmed, the predators would activate their self-destruct weapons and eliminate the aliens and themselves. The explorers deduced that this is why the current predators are in the pyramid, and that the heat bloom was to attract humans for the purpose of making new aliens to hunt. The remaining humans decide that the predators must be allowed to succeed in their hunt so the aliens do not reach the surface. As the battle continues, most of the characters are killed, leaving only Alexa and a single predator to fight against the aliens. The two of them form an uneasy alliance and use the predator's self-destruct device to destroy the pyramid and the remaining aliens. Alexa and the predator reach the surface where they battle an escaped alien queen. They defeat the queen by attaching his chain to a water tower, <laughs> pushing it over a cliff into the water, dragging the queen to the ocean floor. The predator, however, dies of its wounds. A predator's ship uncloaks, and several predators appear. They collect their fallen comrade and present Alexa with one of their spear weapons as a gift. As they retreat into space and leave Alexa to die, a chestburster erupts from the dead predator. It appears to be an alien-predator hybrid, with mandibles coming out of its jaws. The end. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> wow. 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 What? It, it took a lot of years and four people, two of which. Could have fooled me, well, man. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Think about it. No, wait, wait a minute. Daniel Van and Ronald, she said, are what they are in science fiction lore. You can't take away their important. Shane Salerno is a guy that's I, written I, I a lot of important sure scripts. trying to take away any of the credibility they had. <laughs> Yeah, well, they're working on it. But Shane Salerno's a guy that worked on like Armageddon and Shaft, and he, I think he does that Hawaii Five O thing now. And he was a part of a lot of James Cameron stuff. He's well respected in Hollywood. And hell, we both talked about it last time. Paul W. S. Anderson made really interesting. It makes really interesting films. I mean, the Resident Evil movies are fun. That first one in particular. So, and and it should be said, Paul W. S. Anderson is a sci-fi fanboy geek as much as any as he is anything else and so much of this feels like service to fanboys that it does secure plot I'm a fanboy and this ain't service to me at all man <laughs> <laughs> you can take that any which way you want because <laughs> wow well i hope you're not being so we're done with the sexual imagery <laughs> this episode for sure but, but no, I mean, look, I, I'm what I'm saying is that they, these are not hacks. These are four competent people. Paul W. Sanderson, a competent filmmaker who put together something. And look, $60 million for a film that is this big with all that stuff going on in it. I'm amazed they even got it where you could show it again with that limited amount of money. Because that's not a lot of dough for a film that is as large as this one pretends to be. I suppose. <laughs> yep, they must have spent that money on sets because they didn't spend it on the script. <laughs> well, th that's funny you mentioned that. I listened to the director's commentary. <laughs> we got paid which I find funny in a pack of diet coke. <laughs> <laughs> that I that I find. I find it funny that in this director's commentary, he couldn't do it alone. They had Lance Henderson and Sanaa Latham, for whatever reason, there with him, who added nothing, really, to the discussion. But he said why, why, to why them do both, I imagine Lance had... Henderson just showing up for this? It's like, hey, Lance, what are you doing here? I heard you guys are doing a commentary. Well, yeah, we didn't ask oh, you. Oh, it's, it's classic. <laughs> at, at one point, like, his daughter calls him in the middle of it, and they just leave it in there. I'm like, dang, I thought we didn't edit our podcast, but sheesh. <laughs> they just took that one out and slapped 
slapped it on the disc. But he, uh, the funny thing about it is, is Anderson told both of them and tells the audience that if they had done this film in the U.S. or done it in Vancouver, it would have cost fifteen to twenty million dollars just for the sets of what they had. And with this big of a cast and all the effects and the digital stuff they were going to do, there was no way. So that's why they shot it in Prague, and it cost them two million dollars for <laughs> wow. the set. This is this even so, getting, which, this is getting better. They use like slave child labor to make this movie. <laughs> <laughs> well, he didn't say that, but <laughs> you got you got to read between but, uh, the lines, man. <laughs> I guess so, but uh, well, you know, the, but look, this thing is is shot. It's supposed to be this big epic film, and heck, it is. That premise alone is a hundred twenty million dollar film. There's no way, and especially nowadays, and computer graphics and all, and they did it. Pretty cheap. I mean, honestly, they. And I want to say this now: for all the things I'm going to knock this film for, and I am going to knock it for some of itself, it won't be for the way it looks. This film looks good. It looks way better than Alien Resurrection did. Yeah. <laughs> some people would say it's either letting Waylon Yutani take the Alien Queen out of your chest, or jumping into a big fiery lake of molten lead like Ripley did at the end of Alien Three. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it could be, but I, I don't know. I mean, d- does, does this not look good? Look, th- does this movie not look good for you, though? I mean, it looks amazing. You have to say that, it, and it looks like sets at times, sure, but what movie doesn't, right? If you know anything about movies, you know where to catch that. I, th- this one's pretty impressive with the way it, it looks. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't look cheap if that's what you're getting, but it, it, it doesn't look good. I mean, it doesn't, <clears throat> I'll say like the first Ridley Scott movie, that looks good for what it was trying to be. Alien 3, I mean, that had wonderful cinematography. This movie just, anytime I think of Alien versus Predator, I think of just a lot of blue tints. And I, <laughs> well, there yeah, is it's, that. It's, it's and like that's you done put like a purpose. blue filter over it and yeah. goes, this is going to be artistic. <laughs> well, that's, that's what they went for. I mean, they really went for that to downplay the fake snow and all the stuff they were trying to create to give you that, that feeling. And it should be said, Paul W.S. Anderson could really care less about the predator here if, if it weren't for probably Shane Salerno's influence the, he you know wouldn't give them much of anything to do he cares about the humans and the alien and what he set out to do here was not recreate Fincher or Ridley Scott or even James no, he, did, he didn't no he didn't <laughs> no, no he, he, he succeeded in that right but but no, he wasn't even trying to that's the thing he was trying to create a better I think what he really looked at was he felt dissatisfied with Alien Resurrection, much like we did, and wanted to come up with a better entry into the series that at least would fit in as a different kind of a take, but would still have some of that Resident Evil kinetic energy. I mean, heck, they even have the little computer graphic where they're going down underneath the Antarctic ice that looks like they're going into the hive at one point. I mean, that's straight out of that. Colin Salmon's in this movie. He was in, every time I see him, I'm like, it's the Resident Evil guy, you know, and he's been in a hundred things. So I think that's what he was going for, was this is a film made for the video game geek culture that was popular at the time and we got to and, and we can't downplay the fact that on the heels of the matrix films this film comes around and i think in a lot of ways this film suffers because oh, of that you mean talking about the slow motion alien face hugger cohen 
<laughs> yeah, the bu- the bullet time face huggers and and some of that other stuff. But even some of the well, the fight scene with the predator and the alien, you know, where they're throwing each other all over the place. That's very much WWF attitude era and Matrix fighting. I mean, that that's what that is. And I think this film dates itself only because it falls into that cata- or catalog of of filmmaking that was. Yeah, you can really tell wrestling was really popular during this time because you know. You ever seen Blade Two, the final fight in Blade yep. Two? The bad guy does a uh, does does the Randy Savage elbow drop off the uh, the top of a freaking pillar, and the... oh, it seems like all these movies were kind of like <laughs> pulling from the uh, Attitude Era. <laughs> well, and that was popular at the time. This, films will always rob from. It's popular, popular, but we're not so. saying it was very good. <laughs> well, I said it there at the beginning a minute ago that. Um, Paul W. Sanderson very much is an alien fan, alien fanboy. Is this an alien film or a predator film? And and tell me why you would argue one way or the other. For me, it's a predator film through and through. I mean, the whole movie, the whole MacGuffin is about the predators, about this being like their hunting ground, you know, having the queen freaking chained up. Just that image in my head just makes me laugh. It's it's, it's frozen and it's chained up. It's just absurd but uh it's definitely a predator movie because if you would accept this as an alien movie you would have to accept this as a prequel and the whole underlying theme of all four alien movies is we don't want these things to get back to earth and for this to be a prequel and be like oh yeah the aliens were on earth i mean this is like george lucas ruining the movies that came before it crap and so to me it's it's got to be a predator movie because if any if, if fox came out and said this was the official prequel to alien i i don't even know what i would do i mean i i don't know what i would do i mean that, that'd be like finding out a comments about to hit the earth and your life's gonna end for me because it, that'd, that'd be like <laughs> you're ruining so much of my childhood i could actually say fox raped my childhood and it yeah it's metal with alien and stuff like that but I don't know. I just gonna ramble on. I don't know. It's 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 a predator movie to me. I would argue in a lot of ways this wants to be an alien film. Paul W. S. Anderson wants it to be one in things, but for the reasons you've mentioned, I will always hold this as more of a predator film that has alien as a major character in it than an alien film with a predator as a major character in it. And it is because There's nothing that's ever come around that has said we have to accept this as prequel material. I mean, it is a prequel, but then again, it's not because nobody is right now. And this has actually kept me up at night. (laughs) Okay. Um, Lance Henriksen actually just wrote on the internet. I don't know if it was his Twitter feed or whatever. I read it on one of the uh, movie websites that his character or his likeness is going to appear in Prometheus. Now, he was saying that it's going to be something with the history of the company. Now, if we, uh, in this movie, Lance Hendrickson plays Charles Bishop Wayland. And right. in Prometheus, from what we know, is that, um, I forget his name, um, he was in an, um, Guy Pierce is playing Peter Wayland. Now, if I'm going to be like Stewie Griffin, if... I'm watching Prometheus, and I suddenly I see Charles Bishop Whalen's picture come up with that name on it. I'm gonna get up and just yell, "No, no, cocky duty way is that going on!" And I will walk out, and we will well, not have a podcast for Prometheus. We will not. It'll, <laughs> well, the whole thing will well, be like, "Yep, I got 15 minutes in, and I walked out." But <laughs> well, what if what if they put him in there 
to erase this then. I don't think you could. I mean, that would be like kind of like cutting off your nose to spite your face with doing that. I mean, you're going you're gonna to bring up something that's going to ruin everything just to get rid of it. And I think the only way they could actually do it is if maybe they're showing like Android models and kind of like hinting like, oh yeah, this might be a futuristic Android, or maybe that was like one of the earlier models that they later replicate in the future as like a homage type thing. I don't know, but... I, but, but then That's again, we're talking about Lance Hendrickson, and he somehow thinks that the public wants a Millennium movie, so he's not exactly all there. So maybe he's just you know, pulling a Lance Hendrickson. Oh, I think he does overstate the importance of his role in this series, but that's another argument for another day. The point being is, and what, I was, what I'm getting at is, as much as Anderson maybe wants it to be, I think you're right, and I think most people would consider it right. This is... If it's part of the Alien series, it's loosely part of the Alien series. It's more of a Predator film because the Predators are the ones that are asked to... They have character arcs. They have more arcs than the humans do, really. And they're the the really the ultimate resolve of all this. The Alien just seems to be the problem or the MacGuffin or whatever you want to call it in the film. And I will only allow that in my own head because that's all the Alien was in Alien Resurrection, too. You know, there wasn't some greater noble understanding of what the alien role played. And looking even in the theatrical version of Alien 3, they cut that apart. If you watch the assembly cut, you get the whole spiritual side. It's what the humans assigned to the alien that gives that thing a character. But, you know, Alien Resurrection wasn't about the aliens either. It was about freaking Ripley's clone and all that goofy stuff. And this is this is in the same vein of that. So I would I think we're both on the same page that it's a predator. I, I think I think now, what, what Fox this, was probably intending to do though was basically try to bridge both series. You know, like, hey, you could watch Predator oh, yeah. One, two, then you could watch A V P and go right into Alien and you can have this big long series of movies and you know, kinda like uh, Wolfman versus Frankenstein. You know, it could be like Kind of mm-hmm. viewed as that, like, oh, yeah, they're all sequels to each other. They're all in the same universe. I mean, even kind of what Marvel's doing right now with, you know, with well, Thor and it, Iron Man. It's it, like, it, hey, they're all related, all yeah. the same universe. You could watch this, 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 and up up to there. And that's what, I, you know, Fox was a little bit ahead of the game with that, I think, you know, trying to combine the series. Yeah. But it's it, it's well, a poor, poor attempt, in my opinion, if you're going to try to, you know, <laughs> bring the Predator franchise into the Alien franchise. They, they, they don't exist in the same universe. They don't. Well, here's the thing is they actually release a DVD set called the Predator Alien Battle Pack that has Predator, Predator 2, these two films, and I think one of the Alien films, and I think Aliens may be in there too or something. So it's, I mean, they've tried that a is lot that of times. Is that one of the, uh, they, one of the Walmart packs for like 10 bucks? <laughs> well, actually, I, no, I saw that at a legitimate, you know, video store or whatever, but, uh, I, you know, there's they'll repackage Strongly their stuff all the time. Fox is email on the way. <laughs> I'm sure Fox is known to repurpose their material any way they can to try to cash in. That I saw up here when the Predators movie came out, the most recent version that Robert Rodriguez had some production value to or something like that. So, it, you know, I can see why they try to pitch it. Now, here's another thing about this story that I want to talk about, though. Is, because I think you did a good job in the plot summary of really hitting it, so we won't hit this beat for beat, but I, I do want to talk about some of the bigger things here. And here's something I've always had a problem with. I hate it when we introduce things in sci-fi that are supposed to explain human history. 
I say that as someone who's excited going in to see Prometheus, knowing that's the root of some of what that story's about, if not all of it. But I hate the way that's done here. This whole thing that the Predators taught these ancient civilizations how to build pyramids and one side's Mayan and one side's Cambodian and oh all, all this other stuff. That's so bad. Yeah, all that, that whole chariot of the gods business and stuff, that seems so weak sauce in this movie. Well, the Predators don't come off as a species that would do that. They're, they're a hunting species. From everything we know from the two Predator movies is... These guys are more concerned about getting in their spaceships, going around the universe, and collecting skulls for trophies. It doesn't really make any sense that... It, it doesn't ah. make any sense with what we've seen in the first two movies that they're going to come to Earth and train people for what purpose. Do you, do you know what you have hit on my biggest gripe about this? Is that for as little as we know about the alien origin and homeworld. We know enough to know how it would operate. We know nothing, zero, about the Predator homeworld. Why couldn't this have been on Predator world with the aliens? Well, I know why, because we got to have people in there that can speak. That's why. You can't have nothing. But well, you can just, do it in the just, future. Just I don't know. Trek. Pull a Star Trek. I mean, if you ever watch Star Trek, technically all the alien species are, you know, speaking a different language and there's a little earpiece inside the people that you know that are humans, so everybody sounds English or whatever. You know, wouldn't it have been so bad that if they would have just kind of pulled something kind of similar with the Predator, and maybe it just had been just the Predator and just the alien, leave the al- leave the human out of it, and we could just understand the Predator. Well- well, or what they did in Predators, where they drag these humans to the Predator homeworld, drop them there, and they infect them with aliens because that gives them double the fun. Like, I would have bought that because they've at least got some people to walk you through the plot with language and stuff. But this, to me, seems like the easy answer. And I don't know which one of these four I want to hit for it, but somebody needs to get hit because we're introducing an element on Earth, that, and you brought it up, if we everything we've ever heard is if you get the aliens on Earth, it'll just be disaster. And even they show that this gets to be too much. At one point, the the ancient pyramids of predators is getting overrun by thousands of aliens, and I'm like, you're telling me that they got them all in that one nuke shot? There's no way. And by the way, the pyramid survives that nuke. We should mention that. <laughs> so a, I don't know how that happened. That's, that's, that's a, that's, that's a pretty really, good nuke, you know. Saves the structure, yeah. but kills the yeah. organic stuff. <laughs> exactly. It's like an electromagnetic pulse or something. But really, how I I reject the whole premise of that because that just pisses me off. It, it's one thing if you want the predators to hunt the aliens and some humans get in the way. It's another to try to force upon me that the predators are the reason we're here now. It's just the whole modus operandi for the predator. It, 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 it doesn't fit with that. It, it's, it's stupid. It's... It's it's the screenwriters, it's the director, it's everybody going, hey, ain't we clever? That's that's all it is. It's kind of like, yeah. hey, you know, I don't know. It's Well, let's talk about our humans. You know, you mentioned already Charles Bishop Whalen's in this thing, Lance Hendrickson, who's this, I guess he's got tuberculosis. I don't know. He's got these huge breathing problems. Does anybody problems get tuberculosis and... nowadays? I haven't I heard about know. that in the United I States mean, in a long time. So, for me, I, I should have said the... Let me take it back. He's clearly got lung issues, and he's trying to like breathe in the Arctic air. You got him, and you've got his with that, with that military voice, you know, industrial complex. All three packs a day, so <laughs> it's what it sounds like. Yeah, and Lance Hendrickson very well may have. Who knows? But you got if you got his voice and Michael Wincott's voice together, that would be 
That would be some growl, man. <laughs> that would be interesting. But uh, only to be topped with, if, like, if you had Alan Rickman as the third voice. But anyway, um, <laughs> another subject for another day. You got him leading this expedition because one of his satellites in this shot that you look at it at first and it's supposed to be the alien queen and then it just turns out to be a satellite, picks up this heat bloom in this pyramid or something. They don't know what it is. And... Um, you've got his whole crew of people and they go and they get this woman, Lex or Alexa to be their guide. Cause she's like one of the best Antarctic guides known to man trained with her father, etc. What did you make of the human cast? In this uh, pretty forgettable. I mean, they obviously brought in Lance Hendrickson for his connection to alien, you know, trying to get people to be familiarized with someone who had a better written character in a different movie. And then, of course, you know, Alexa, who is obviously uh, the Ripley clone, the uh, strong female who doesn't really want to be here, is kind of the outsider, but is going to be the uh, the badass female warrior at the end. And everybody's pretty much forgettable, even her. And I think just the whole Charles well, Whalen thing is just pretty stupid. Well, she's, you know, this whole team feels like something out of a Crichton novel. You know, you've got linguistic experts and archaeologists, that's Raul Bova, and you've got all these other scientists, and you've got these gun-toting people, and you've you got her in there. And of all of them, the one that doesn't seem like she be- or belongs, the one that doesn't belong is Sanaa Latham's character. Lex just doesn't come off like somebody that could do mountain climbing. She doesn't look like it. And this is nothing against her. She's a fine actress in other things, but she is not a physical person. Like, I don't look at her and think basketball player, athlete, mountain climber. You know, I, she just doesn't strike me as such. She strikes me as somebody who's much more feminine and uh, much more dainty than that. I don't know. I just, I've she's, always she's had a hard a, time buying her. And stuff. She kind of strikes me as, you know, yeah. someone who work in the fashion industry or something like that. You know, just, yeah, she's pretty. She's not, she's not a mountain climber. You know, she doesn't have a ruggedness to her. Look, for and Sigourney Weaver can be a good-looking woman when she wants to, right? But back in the 70s and in even that 80s film, the way they dress her, she looks like a trucker. And that's what you want is somebody that looks like they can handle themselves physically. She doesn't look at all like someone I would want to lead me on a shopping trip down Beverly Hills, much less up a mountain and or down a hole in Antarctica. Yeah, I mean... They're trying to, obviously, like I said, they're trying to bring back the strong female, and she's got nothing on Ripley or Vasquez. I mean, maybe she's a little bit better than Call, but then again, I think uh, the dog yeah. in Alien 3 was better than Call, so. <laughs> well, think about it like this. If that's the character she's supposed to play, this strong female or whatever, she doesn't exude that at any time. She snivels and cries and gets scared a lot, which you're supposed to do, but the only time she takes any real action is when the Predator is in her presence and she winds up with one of his weapons accidentally, and that's how she stabs an alien, and that that wins his respect, you know, or whatever. And then she goes all, you know, military with him, and she gets all the arm and up scene with all the alien stuff and this crap. And at no time, I mean, the only thing she does there convincing is run really fast because he throws the nuke and is like, let's get the heck out of here, you know, and... uh, I just don't – I have a hard time buying her, and it does take me out of the film if I let myself linger on her at all. Yeah. It's it's just poor casting all around, and it's already a bad start. And a thing that – the thing that still just baffles me when I, when I see this movie on, you know, late night FX is the setup is so freaking long. It's It takes forever to get yeah. going, and it's like they're introducing all these cast members – 
and they're all picked off right away. It's 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 it's, it's, well, it's poor it's poor scripting again. I mean, you're gonna set up these characters. I mean, in Aliens, they set up you know Vasquez, they set up Hudson, they set up Hicks, and they were along for seventy five percent of the movie. You got invested in these characters. They're introducing these guys. They're giving like these little quirks, like the one guy's got to take a picture for his son, and um, I think one of the guys didn't he have like a little trinket or something he carried around with them or something. Yeah, Ro- Roll Bova had a, a Pepsi lid that he had found at some kind of dig or something. Yeah, and like it's like they had like these little like, you know, these little characteristic things that they had. And nothing ever plays out. It's just it's just lazy writing in my opinion. And I, Well, it, it it is that, but I'm gonna tell you, Anderson will tell you he's trying to pace this film like but, but it's but it's not all aliens. this setup. It's not aliens. I mean, yeah. you go into some movie called Alien versus Predator. I don't want freaking setup. You know, I want to see the Alien versus Predators start kicking each other's butts. You know, I don't want to see people. Yeah. No one's no one's. It's movie's not called Alien versus Predators versus humans. I mean, even the video games knew not to include Marines on that. It's Alien versus Predator. Give us give the audience what they want. Not not forty five minutes of setup or a half an hour till they go down the freaking tunnel. It's just ridiculous and. They spend an awful long time setting up all of these people. And like you said, then they just waste a lot of them inside of 10 minutes. I mean, once the thing hits and when they get into the the they get to the dig site and they see that it's already been pre-dug by like this laser beam from space that we saw that no nobody can see the ship of the Predators. And they get there <laughs> first, which is amazing that they get there first. But they get down there and then once the Predators arrive and kill all the people on the surface and the aliens have awakened because they turned the pyramid on or whatever. <laughs> when all that starts happening, then everything goes into overdrive, and it's like, yeah, screw all these characters. Now we're just going to kill you know, all these people. Well, I don't care about when they turn on the people, When they turned so on the pyramid, the I was kind of hoping that short round would have made a little <laughs> appearance. <laughs> <laughs> I touched nothing indeed. <laughs> it's... I, was, I was ready for somebody to rip somebody's heart out at that point. But, but even, like, even so, like right it, here, though, okay, we got the Predator, and they're, they're killing the people on the surface. Why? Yeah. I mean, they're, they're, these guys, they're just killing them on the surface. These guys, you know, from everything we know about the Predator, the Predator is somewhat honorable. It's not going to kill an arm-armed person. It's not going to kill a pregnant woman. Oh, those guys were armed. They all had machine guns. But they never once stuff. aimed them at them. They were no threat to them. And the Predators are being all incognito. I mean, the... They, one of the most ridiculous scenes I thought was with the guy, the whalers or whatever these guys are on top, and also like the spaceship flies overhead real silently, and none of them see this big giant spaceship. I was kind of half expecting, you know, rewatching this movie that when they shoot that laser beam down, like they everybody be looking at the spot, turn around their back, the laser beam hits silently, and they turn back around and go, "Oh, there's a hole there now." It's just there's, <laughs> there's just so much just stuff in here that's just like you slap your forehead and it's like, who who thought this was a good idea? I mean. And I bring up I bring up the well, players killing the guys because those guys are one on the good side, and then later we're supposed to be kind of like cheering on this predator. And it's it it might my, my if you ever seen the movie Super Eight, that was my main complaint with that movie yeah. is you can't have it both ways. You can't set up this this antagonist to be this big badass who is just killing people and then kind of expect us to feel for it in the end. You, you, you can't. I mean, not it's either E. T. or it's either freaking Jason. It's one or the other. Well, and that's the thing. This movie goes from being this sci-fi action film to becoming trying to set up a slasher style. Like the cast becomes slasher fodder so and then, fast. And then it and turns cast into a buddy comedy. And then they 
they kill they kill so many of them so fast that we're down to Sanaa Latham, uh, Lance Henriksen, Raul Bova are the only ones alive in the human side. And then you've got the Predators, and two of them get taken out quick by the aliens. So you've got the one Predator with, uh, they call him Scar because he puts the, uh, the marks on his helmet and on his face and stuff. So you've got him and... Uh, or no, they don't call him that. You got the one main predator, and then you've got the that's alive who you know marks his trophies, and then you've got the one alien that's got the grid on his head where the little grid net tried to My cut God. through. They, they, I mean, they must have got that from yeah. Trimmers. <laughs> Remember Trimmers? You had the one. <laughs> I we do. had the uh, the one trimmer who had the tongue had the one of its tongues missing. So we kind of yeah, got stumpy, to know because yeah. of the physical characteristics, and they they kind of pull the same same crap here, but. Well, no, they'll tell you straight out. I mean, they'll tell you they wanted to mark the two main combatants because they wanted some way to be able to follow them. Since they can't speak, they had to have some way of us being able to identify them. So, you know, the main one that Ian White plays as the Predator and the main one that Tom Woodruff plays as the alien, those are the ones that get the marks because they're the the final ones left besides the Predator. Well, I got I to ask you. Know, you and, the Predator, like, just even before he takes off the mask, because we'll get into that in a little bit, but... Don't they seem a little bit off in how they look? I mean, when you think about Predator 1 and 2, I mean, the Predator was a big Predator. I mean, he was probably, what, 7 feet tall? He's 7 feet but tall, yeah. He was like an athlete. The Predator was athletic. I mean, he was able to jump from tree to tree. These guys look like, I mean, they look like WWE guys. I mean, they, they, they look like big well, bodybuilders, and they're, they're so heavily armed. And then even, like, their technology... Everything's on steroids with these guys. The predators are on steroids. Even their claws, instead of having like the the two like you no know, claws that would come out of there, these claws are giant. I mean, they they come out like three feet. It's like I don't know if Paul W S Anderson or whatever was like, hey, we're gonna do it, but we're gonna do it bigger. We're gonna make these guys badder. And I think by doing that, it really just makes the predator look kind of silly. I mean. Well, it, the, I will say this. The two that they put up with the main Predator do look ridiculous because they're not the same size. Ian White's seven feet, over seven feet tall. He's a big dude. The other guys are like maybe 6'5", six, 6'6". Six, six. They had to come up with ways to get him to stand on top of stuff so they at least looked as tall as he did. But here's the thing. His movements are much more like that of a big wrestler and not the graceful movements that Kevin Peter Hall had as a big guy and a big actor. You know, he's seven feet tall too, but he moved much more gracefully. This thing moves like a lumbering bull in a china shop the whole time. And, I mean, even half of its moves are like shoulder blocks and clothesline. I mean, it's it's a wrestler. It's what it is. I We can't make that more clearly stated, Nick. When this thing fights, it fights like a pro wrestler. Yeah, it's like Triple H. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. That's exactly like a big lumbering, big, too almost too big to be able to move normally, you know, wrestler. And maybe that's part of the costume or whatever, but I'll say this. They upgraded the technology a bit. I think that has more to do with the fact that they can do more stuff than they could do in but the he, 80s But even now. the claws, though, I mean, off. those claws were huge. I mean, what, what did it need those type of claws for? Well, it's that same thing with that that blade that you know he flicks out and cuts the thing in half and comes back with. I mean, that thing is real convenient. I know they had those in Predator too, but they weren't nearly that cool. Oh, and of course, he's got to like, like a, do like the little yeah. whoosh, whoosh, whoosh with it, like you know, like he's showing off. Well, I mean, that, doesn't everybody that had a butterfly knife know how to do that? I mean, that's what that comes off to me like. Warriors. That's all it is. Yeah. Well, let's talk about the alien queen for a minute. We talked about the aliens and the predator here, and you laughed, and I did too, in the plot summary. The queen is frozen below and chained up 
And only this time does she get the idea from Alien Resurrection that, hey, a couple of you hit me in the arm so I can bleed through this well, stuff. First of all, Antarctica. Is that colder than outer space? I mean... No. So the, 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 <laughs> it's the, cold, the, but it ain't the, that cold. The alien queen is frozen in there with water. I mean, water is frozen on top of her, and we're supposed to get the impression that that water is basically made her go into some type of deep sleep or hibernation thing. But we've seen the queen, we've seen the alien out in outer space kicking around and being pretty mad, but yet Antarctica's yeah. able to freeze it down. And, and again, we've we've seen aliens being able to bust through walls and everything, but yet it has chains around its hands, and it's able to hold the alien queen. <laughs> oh, even even later, it starts running after uh, Lex and the lead predator, oh, and it's like running through buildings. It looks like the Tyrannosaurus Rex out of Jurassic Park. Oh, definitely. I mean, and aliens, it was like the queen, you know, I'm not going to say it was a graceful creature, but it was more graceful than this. This thing's running around lumbering into stuff like a, I don't know, like like some guy you find drunk at 3 o'clock in the morning. I mean, he's just running around banging into stuff. It's Alien Queen is... They, 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 they copied the design that Cameron did, but that's all they did. They didn't copy anything else. It's the great Kali, you know, <laughs> the way it's running around. Yeah. I mean, the, th- the thing runs all over the place, and that is her whole bit, is to get loose so she can what? Go and she can grow another egg sack on Earth somewhere. What's going to happen? Yeah, I mean, in, in <laughs> Aliens, you understood that you know what she was going after Ripley because Ripley pissed her off. I mean, the thing went after and killed her babies. Yeah, yeah. It, yeah. Was, it was you know you you're around a lion and a lion's only going to attack you when it's hungry. You go and kill its cubs, it's going to tear you apart. I mean, that was the primal instinct of the queen in the first in Aliens, but. How did the queen even get out? I mean, I, maybe I missed that part. Oh, oh, they, they, they broke her loose, and then she goes running down the hall and busts all through. Oh no, I got, that, I got the part where she got uh, out. But how did she get on the surface? Yeah, she just kept running out of the thing. I don't know. That's a great question because she just comes out of nowhere. I guess she came up the tunnel and hid because, well, you know what? They they follow everything else, right? I mean, ultimately, it comes to the point where Lex and the remaining Predator are the only two people left alive. Waylon gets killed by a Predator, and which in the stupidest way, by the way, too. Like, the Predator looks at him and is like, nah, you're too weak to destroy because his lungs are all destroyed. And Waylon starts punching it, and the Predator's like, okay, fine, and he just stabs him. And I'm like, that sucks. Is that Waylon's death? And if they reference that in Prometheus, I'm getting up and walking it out, too, by the way. Well, it's... <laughs> text you and that'll be the end but that happens and then those two decide well you know, the only thing left to do here is set off the big nuke bomb and run to the surface so that's what oh, they do they, so they get on a little that trolley and get to the surface had that kind of speed on yeah. it I mean hell man I think it's got a Ferrari <laughs> yeah. motor on top it's able to pull it I off I was moving I mean it actually yeah. it, it beat a nuclear <laughs> blast I mean crap dude that's pretty fast <laughs> That, that's that's about as good as getting out of the trench while the Death Star's blowing up in Return of the Jedi. You know? But at least, We're the, getting at out least of that. that, you know, spaceship, <laughs> science fiction, future. This is supposed to be grounded, and it's it's just it's so much crap at the end of this. It, I mean, it it's convenient, but for whatever reason, they get to the surface, and it's like, okay, it's all good, right? And then here comes the queen, and she stabs him in the gut, like through the the lower part of his stomach. Never, never mind. That and he's got so he's inside of him too. I guess the baby. Well, okay, you know what though, I I've said the same thing for years but again if you listen to anderson he'll say if you look we purposely made it where he she hit him really low 
So he, she didn't hit the alien, but the thing that that destroys is that he's been fighting aliens the whole time, and in Alien 3, they wouldn't touch Ripley, right? Because, you know, she had one in her. So am I to believe that, you know, this Hatfield and McCoy rivalry <laughs> goes beyond that? They're like, no, nah, propagate the species, nothing. You're going down. The whole thing I want to get even, it doesn't even follow its own rules, because if we go back to the beginning of the movie with, like, the spunky blonde-haired girl who was freaking annoying, and the rest of her crew who all get the face huggers on their on on them, they give birth. I mean, we're not even talking hours anymore. I mean, in Alien, the gestation period was about twenty four hours. It's, it's, it's ten yeah. minutes because the the thing changes shape every ten yeah. minutes. <laughs> it was about ten minutes. Now the Predator gets it on them, and now it takes longer for him. Okay, it's okay. Maybe we can spin it and say the Pred Aliens like the Queen, and it needs more time. And I can't believe I just said Pred Alien, but. I, I don't know. Oh, you're going like to say it a lot next time. Its own so. rules. And then in the end, you know, when it's, it's stabbing the Predator and there's like the big battle. And I got to bring up too about Alexa's weapons. Did she really have an alien head as a shield? Yeah, the Predator cut off the skull so I, I of the guess alien, the alien and she, acid yeah. doesn't affect her arm. <laughs> I mean. Yeah. That's pretty weak. Like I said, they're they're pretty fast and loose with the rules of the alien blood in this movie. Because there's a lot. There's times that it burns right through, and then there's times that well, it doesn't do anything. It well, just lays on the floor. What, what is that even gonna do? An alien skull shield. What is that gonna do against aliens? You know, I, I'm gonna get into a fight with I you. I'm gonna know. take a human skull and hold it on my fist. You know, it's. What's she gonna do with that tail spear? It, it's he stupid. gives it's her. Like, <laughs> give her a real weapon, dude. You got like, you know, like these net things that come out. You got your thing on the. And, and the shoulder, I mean, he could have took one of the other shoulder cannons from the other guys and gave it to her to hold on to. He could have gave her his her freaking knife thing. Gave her something. He, here, I'm ripping off the head. Take the head. And then he burns her face. <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah, and that mar- that tribal marking bit. Yeah, that was... Even though we've, we've never seen lame. that before in any other Predator movies. I mean, yeah. we've seen the masks on these guys. We've seen the masks on the other Predators that, that arrive in the end of Predator well, 2. But none of them have these little tribal marks on their head. I mean... Well, we we have seen this, God, this give the this, gift this, this of a weapon. This is so early two thousands. I mean, we're talking about the wrestling. Now <laughs> these guys got tribal tattoos on them. <laughs> it is very yeah. It's right along in there, but it's not over because the alien does stab the predator and then goes after Lex, and she basically just runs and hides underneath a water tower. And so the alien is trying to get at her. The queen's banging on it and banging on it, and finally. The predator, somehow or another, is still alive, able to jump in the air, do this 180, and like jab her in the head with this extending spear thing, which distracts her long enough for Lex to grab her chain, which is somehow or another still attached to her, put it on that uh, water bucket, and then get a shovel and push that off into the ocean. That's a lot. And, and, and then the closing the, shot of the alien queen getting dragged down, it reminded me of Jack and Titanic. It's, just, it's so ridiculous. Oh, better yet. No, no, no. That was Jaws the Revenge, the, the original cut, where the, the shark gets stabbed by the boat and sinks. That's what that would look like. It's, it's, it's it was so horrible. ridiculous. And then, then, of course, after that, the Predator ship arrives just right after that. It couldn't arrive a couple seconds earlier to blow the queen away going, Hey, you know what? We didn't really intend the hunting trip to go like this. We're just going to blow this thing out of the water. Bad idea, guys. But no, it waits until the alien queen is taken away. and yeah, Conveniently. Yeah, conveniently. Yeah. And then what do they do? They give her a spear, and then they just leave her. 
How, what the hell's going to happen? Well, she starts. What's going to happen? Well, you know, I've joked about that in the plot. So she does start walking toward like this snow cat thing. I'm like, how the heck did that survive the nuclear blast, too? How are they still standing yeah, there? It's, it's, it's kind of that it's, ice it's kind of maybe out of like War of the Worlds must have copied this later after the plane crash and the minivan still survived. <laughs> I mean, really, I I don't know. But the final thing, and Paul Anderson will tell you, no, we're not trying to set up the sequel, but I think that's bull. Because the final thing is we see the Predator-Alien hybrid uh, chestburster jump out of the alien, the Predator that has died while they're taking him yeah, away. Yeah, such an advanced species, and, I know so much about the alien creatures. You think the first thing they would have done is maybe, let's check to see if this guy's pregnant, but... A better yet, how about burn the body? Yes, roughly a bunch of rapist convicts had that. At least were able to do that in Alien Three. But this advanced, you know, well. interstellar species that was making human, you know, civilization, you know, thousands of years ago and stuff doesn't even. Oh my god, it's so bad. Nick, Nick, Nick no, I, it, it's come to me. It's because those prisoners worshipped God, and these predators thought they were God. See, so that's what they're undoing was. So I think we're I think we're beyond the part of the podcast where we give our final thoughts and popcorn ratings. So what are yours for Alien versus Predator? Oh uh, well, Alien versus Predator is just an excellent piece of bad filmmaking. It is a terrible movie. I remember getting dragged to this by my friends, you know, back when this movie came out and I kicked and screamed the whole way and I pouted the whole way home, and I remember actually going to my house before I went over to my buddy's house to get the Alien DVDs so we could actually watch a decent movie to get the stink of AVP out of my, you know, out of our system. And I'm just going to bring this up, too. It's like, you know, even like the original Predator, you got Jesse Ventura, you got Arnold Schwarzenegger, you got freaking Apollo Creed in there. You get, I mean, you got Shane Black. I mean, you got you got a good cast of characters in there, all memorable. You, you know what all their personalities are. You know their little shticks and stuff. Aliens, Alien, even, you know, Alien 3, you got, you know, Ripley, you got Dylan, you got Clemens, you got 85, you got um, the, the main guy in charge there. In Alien Resurrection, I mean, as bad as that movie was, at least you're able to know who these characters are, and at least they were somewhat interesting. I'll give it that. This movie had none of that in there. And this is both franchises coming together, and it didn't have one character in this whole movie that was at all interesting. And, okay, yeah, it wasn't about the characters, about Alien vs. Predators. And, you know what, it did that all wrong. I mean, I wasn't excited about them getting together, and this is exactly why, because I knew it was going to be crap. And the movie is crap. I give it the smallest possible rating I can. It's a small popcorn, burnt burnt popcorn covered with dog crap. That's what this movie is. <laughs> Don't hold back. Tell us how you really feel. So, well, I'm going to say this. As unsatisfying as the plot of this is, and as ridiculous as it is, it's a dumb setup. It is really dumb. But I'm going to tell you something. It's just as dumb as Alien Resurrection. If, if it's dumb as a plot. And I think it's executed better. If you can, if you're not an alien fan, per se, and there are some of those people out there, I think you can watch this and have a good time because it's a big tag team match and it's just, it's big, dumb fun. Kind of like the way a film like G.I. Joe would be or Doom or something like that. It's not good, but it can be fun to watch. But if you're an alien fan like you and I, Nick, it's hard to watch this and not just, a grimace at so much of what happens on the screen because it's done so lazy and so 
you know, so there's so much happenstance in this that it just uh, it just loses credibility moment by moment, and the human cast doesn't help it much. They they don't give us enough of the predators to really get what they're all about. This just it, it's a great idea, and even on paper, I think it may work, but. Some of the choices they make just really push this one off the edge. I can watch it for a guilty pleasure, but I'm not going to bother to tell anybody that it's good. It's small popcorn fare all the way. We do agree on that. But it's not the worst thing ever made. Again, if you're not an Alien fan, you might dig this film. But Alien fans, you, you probably already avoid it like the plague and are wondering why in the world we covered it. But I will tell you, we've got another answer to that <laughs> next time because we're not done yet. We got aliens versus Predator Wreck. And I, I gotta, I gotta bring this up next. too. I am the fan of the Alien <laughs> series, and I just think it's hilarious yeah. that you have given this series more positive reviews in the end than me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you, you, you. you well, figured, I wouldn't call that last one positive. But, so. but even the negative, even the negative ones. At least you had some positive things to say. I'm just being the negative Nancy of the whole thing, and, you, and I'm supposed <laughs> to be the fan. I mean, I'm questioning myself. Am I really a fan, or well, what's up? <laughs> Well, again, and like we said before, the, the big question, are these alien films? And we've both said before, too, uh, is this an alien film or is it a predator film? And we'll ask that again next time, too. We both said this was really not really a, an alien film, even though they are apparently going to make some reference to it in Prometheus. Oh, I, I really hope they don't. <laughs> oh, just, heaven help us. Just, just Lance Henriksen being Lance Henriksen. I hope so too, because I can't believe Ridley would let him get that out. But well, you know, that's another topic for another day. We'll talk about James that in a few Cameron weeks. actually so. went on record and saying he he likes this movie. <laughs> I I know, but I don't know how he could say that. It's, that, it's, I think it's, it's a dig at that, so. That's all it is. Like, he, he's yeah, because he yeah, that's right. He hates the fact that Fincher destroyed what he built in Aliens. So anyway, we'll be back again next time to talk about Aliens versus Predator Requiem. One more before we get to Prometheus in the end of our series here. Folks, thank you for joining us. You can check out our other podcasts on our website, continuousplaypodcast.com slash movies. You can hook up with us on Facebook or Twitter there. Leave us a message in our guest book. Check out our other podcasts in the archive section of the site. And also hook up with our Buffy the Vampire Slayer retrospective called The Art of Slaying off of the site as well. Until next time, for Nick, I'm Jay. Thanks for tuning in to Filmstrip. Thanks for listening to Filmstrip and our reviews of the Alien movie franchise. Still don't understand what you're dealing with, Jay. Visit our website, continuousplaypodcast.com, for more reviews and episodes. Say we take off, nuke the site from orbit. It's the only way to be sure. All content used or discussed in this podcast are the property of their respective owners and used under the Fair Use Act Section 504C2, Title 17. This is Ripley, last survivor of the Nostromo, signing off.